that far away from the microphone. A Gibson's nose width away. Four fingers or a Gibson Roman nose. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Publish, Perish or Podcast, your opportunity to look behind the scenes of science to see if science showers in the evening or the morning. I'm Andy Stapleton and joining me today are Christopher Teabag Gibson. Namaste BA, namaste Shmoopy. Cameron Shmoopy Shearer. Good results Chris and good listeners Andy. Thank you. <laughs> and pee poppers. Oh wait, we're not done? No, we're not done. Huh? When I finished? You have heard this man's name mentioned. You have felt his presence on the podcast, but you have never felt the power, soothing power of his voice. It's the legendary Heavy D, Dr. Daryl Jones. Good evening, all. Hey. Welcome. We have had Heavy D. His voice has been on the podcast. That's right. You sent in I did an interview with him. Yeah, I remember that. Actually, yeah. So this is the first time in real life we've been soothed. In the flesh. Better in the flesh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I aim to impress. (laughs) Okay. I will be introducing Daryl Heavy D. Bruce Jones. Bruce, I didn't know your middle name was Bruce. That's a good, honest Aussie name. Uh, 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 Honest. This... uh, I went and accosted poor old Heavy D today and he yeah. sent me his CV, an abbreviated version. So I have a lot of information on the Heavy D, but oh. I have summarized it down. Insider knowledge. Um, but I've got a little bit of extra stuff. So we're going right back to the beginning. Born at Flinders Hospital in Radelaide. What year, Daryl? I'm sorry to say, I forgot to ask you. 1982. 1982. You were you born at Flinders and now you work at Flinders. You haven't left, mate. Up the hill. That's right. Well, hold on. Some stuff happened in between. What? Uh, (laughs) But he he lived in Port Augusta until the age of approximately three, we we believe. Yeah. Went to Sturt Primary School, which no longer exists and is now an aged care facility. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) Great. You could go back there too. (laughs) Eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Went to Seaview High School. Where he was crowned Ducks of the School. Congratulations. Ooh, in his final year. In, in your final year, or did you enjoy it? They gave it to there? me later. Later? It was one of those weird things where a few years later they decided they were going to introduce the Ducks. And, and you got it retroactively. Ah, yeah. Oh, retrospectively. Well now, we're going into the science, science interest. We're going to go straight into science interest. Then I'm going to cover some territory All right. about you know what he's done, where he's been. A little bit of woo, a little oh. bit of wah. Yep. Thanks for letting us know. Uh, Daryl Jones is both an experimental and computational research scientist working in the field of atomic and molecular physics, quantum chemistry, That's and something plasma that, chemistry. How many blank faces oh. do you get? A few. <laughs> That's like something out of Star Trek. Yeah. Or the new show, The Orville, which I love watching on SBS. Not sponsored by that show. <laughs> His research focuses on understanding molecular structure and its influence on collision interactions, particularly electron-driven processes within plasma-like environments. I love that. These interactions are essential for describing behavior in industrial plasmas, space, and upper terrestrial atmospheres. Space. space. He works in space. Plasma medicine. Plasma medicine. Whoa. What does that even mean? So people are interested in using plasmas at atmospheric pressure to drive chemistry within the body as well. So oh, things shit. like... Wound healing, sterilization. You could plasmify them. Man, that's like something from the Hulk. That's awesome. I love it. And radiation-based therapies. You beauty. His research interests are continually expanding to now include design of technologies for materials processing and synthesis. Qualifications. Bachelor of Science in Computational Modeling from Flinders in 2003. Bachelor of Science in Honours, Flinders University, 2004. Doctor of Philosophy, Flinders University, 2008. Title of thesis, Structural Influences on the Physico-Chemical Properties and Biological Activities of Molecules as Studied Through Momentum Space. Jesus Take that. Christ. Take no. that. Was there enough space in your thesis for other words? <laughs> <laughs> Not when you're moving through momentum it was, space, my friend. It was pretty, pretty epic. Yeah, it sounds epic. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so there's been some fellowships and positions held. 
research fellow at the old CAPS, which is now the College of Science and Engineering at Flinders from 2015 till till now. Till now. Uh, also, he was a DECRA winner uh, from 2012 to 2015. Uh, funding, 375K, as we like to say, 375,000. There you go. Wow. Adapting industrial plasma processing chemistries through electron collisions to meet emerging technological and environmental requirements. That was the DECRA title. ARC Centre of Excellence in Antimatter Studies Researcher. Antimatter, again, Star Trek. I love it. Flinders University, 2010 to 2012. And he spent some time in Japan. Yep. Yep. 2008 to 2010. You'll have to um, correct my pronunciation, I think. Tohoku. Tohoku. What is it? Tohoku University. Tohoku University. Summer Vacation Scholarship at DSTO from 2002 to 2000. <laughs> I should have led with that. <laughs> Sorry, my fault. And there's a whole bunch of awards, recognitions and honours. Australia's Spectroscopy Molecular Physics Research Field Leader 2018. Uh, CSIRO Postgraduate Top-Up Scholarship 2004 to 2007. Ferry Scholarship 2004 to 2007. Flinders Prize in Theoretical Physics 2003. Max Clark Prize in Science and Engineering 2003. Flinders Institute for Research in Science and Technology Award 2003. Flinders Prize in Physics 2001. Science for the New Century Scholarship 2000-2003. And now the good bit, 63 refereed journal articles plus two refereed conference proceedings, total of 839 citations on Scopus, H-index of 17, and eight invited talks and international conferences. That is the Daryl Heavy Jones, Bruce Jones (laughs) (laughs) um, bio. There you go. Brilliant. That's a lot of info. Oh, my God. A lot of success, a lot of... uh, a lot of awards. Is well it done. weird to hear all that read out in one go? It's not very often you get that as a as not read out that experience. well. Experience. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> a bit weird when everyone's like, "Could you read it?" Because it's like your CV. Yeah. So you you know it all, but it's weird to sort of reflect on it a bit. Yeah, I suppose. So I mean, I would call that a success. Yeah, that's pretty good. I was reading something online the other day, and they were saying you should shower in the evening. Um, because it relaxes you. And then I was like, well, I don't want to shower in the evening and in the morning. So mm. first of all, do we think it's okay to shower in the evening and then not in the morning? Yes, Ooh. I do. I yeah. do it. I do it often. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Carol. I yeah. prefer to shower in the morning, yeah. but I, I do often miss my morning shower. And yeah, then I have right. to do an evening one. Fine. So I actually did a little experiment. I had a shower in the evening and then just washed my face in the mm. morning to get all the crud out. Yuck. And I felt a bit dirty, but I quickly got over it. What do you do in bed? No, Sweat a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, always, I couldn't wait. To answer. Um, anyway, so uh, are you a morning or evening showerer, Daryl? Um, often I'm both because uh, all right. exercising or something like that during the day, yeah. then need to just freshen up. At yeah. the evening as well, but normally morning. Have you ever been accused of being the stinky person? Uh, always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Very good. Cameroon? Regularly, I would probably shower more often in the morning. Yep. But like Daryl, I would if I'm doing sports. Oh, sports. Uh, in the evening, I would then shower afterwards before bed. Do you get sweatier if you win sports or lose sports? Oh, I don't think winning or losing really changes the amount of sweat. Mm. But I do put lots of effort in no matter what. Oh, oh you're a superstar. You what a player. What a Thank player. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I was after. I like to freshen up in yeah. the mornings and just get ready for the day. Just wakes you up a bit. And Yeah. What about the cold shower? I like mm. the cold shower in the summer. Yeah. Just to cool the body down a bit. I don't like it at all. Are you able to go fully cold on the cold shower in the, in the, in the depths of summer? I mean, no hot water at all. Yes. Ooh. Ooh, no. I tried it on the weekend. I uh, try and I always need a little bit of hot. All right, yeah, we're going to start with you. Uh, science, what would it do? Uh, science, I think, is a double shower. Double shower, right. Yep. Shmoopy? Yep. Three times shower. Three- <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Darryl? Always has to one-up me. Should we go for the infinite shower? The infinite oh. shower. Science, science is constantly in the shower. Don't leave the shower. It's like Kramer off Seinfeld. It, it eats in the shower. It communes in the shower. It works in the shower. It'll yeah. be self-showering. Self, it constantly carries oh. its shower around with Self-cleaning. it. Self-cleaning. It'll be shedding the grossness from the day continually. 
I love it. What are you going with, Eddie? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, shower is... Shower is... Yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. Shower is science. Oh, my God. That's it. Uh-huh. That's it. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> At least it didn't Stressful. sound like you were pushing anything out of your body this no, time. No, just like running backwards and forwards. Maybe I'm nude, maybe I'm not. No one knows. Um, <laughs> Kelly D. <laughs> Daryl, what have you been up to? Yeah, just the usual, just in the lab. Now, now, Heavy D, there's been papers published. What's going on there? Because you definitely told me something recently. Yeah, I got one paper accepted at the beginning of the year, so that was good. Ooh, very good, well very good. Congratulations. Good start for the year. So. What's, what, which journal? Journal of Chemical Physics. Ooh, Impact Factor. Two point nine ish. Okay, that's right, passable. So Love now you're one. a you're a physicist. Um, Where does two point nine sit in the physics impact factor scale? Um, so I would rate the Journal of Chemical Physics as probably the a top journal in its speciality. Mm-hmm. So there's more general physics ones which have higher impacts. Okay, and something like Physical Review Letters. Yep. which has an impact factor probably around eight. Okay. And so moving to the more specialized journals, you do get that drop in impact factor. Mm. And so that's quite a, a good journal to publish in. But and your peers are seeing it. Your peers yep. are all over it. They love it. Yep. Did you submit uh, anywhere else? Uh, no. Okay. I think that's a good sign that that's probably a good journal then. Or you don't like the paper very much. <laughs> <laughs> so when you yeah, when good. you uh, above physical review letter or PRL, uh, there's not much else really, is there in the in the hardcore physics? Then you then you're into nature, aren't you? Really, or science? Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think the true well, there's probably a lot of physicists out there which go, we prefer physical review letters over nature, mm, yep, because it's that. more specialized in where you want to actually. Have your research published. Yep, yep. Shmoopy, what have you been up to, mate? All right. One thing. I am jealous of Andy and his bald head this week. Yes! I knew it would happen. <laughs> Come on, guys. Look at the shiny glow. What exactly are you jealous of? Because I'm looking at it now and I'm not feeling jealousy. What is it? What now, is it, Shmoopy? Daryl might be in the same boat as me. He is cursed... As I am, and Chris to a certain degree with a young face. <laughs> Andy with his you, bald, Kim. bald head. Yeah. People aren't mistaking you for a 25-year-old. Of course they are. They're like, look at that look at that poor 22-year-old who's gone bald early. No, that's not what they're doing. So I, I got t- called a postdoctoral student this Ooh. week. Oh, I thought you were getting ID checked in a bar. ID checked. <laughs> no. I would have had to go out to, for that to happen. <laughs> it's it's getting to me now. I used to be able to laugh it off, uh, but now that I'm at this stage where I'm sick of being a postdoc, I would rather yeah. be a something else. Yeah. To, be, to then, so being called a postdoc angers me, even though that's what I am. Mm-hmm. But to be called a, a postdoctoral then, student, student. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like it's okay. an oxymoron. If you're a postdoctor, you can't be, or well, you shouldn't be a student anymore unless yeah. you're studying something completely different. Yeah. But who called you this? Could you call them out on it, or was it someone senior and just they just misspoke? Or no, it was someone very junior who probably doesn't know that a postdoctor isn't a student. Isn't a student. Yeah. Um, but like they probably, if I had a bald head. Like yeah. you do, Andy. What? Um, I don't. This is, it's just the angle and the light. There's plenty of hair. <laughs> they would have called well, me a professor. There's a lot of skin as well. Do you but- know what? When I wear a hat, people sometimes go, have you lost your parents? <laughs> uh, the power of baldness. The power of baldness. You can go from child to geriatric. <laughs> child geriatric. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to shave your head if you want to give it a go. I might need to do something, yeah. anything to get me uh, further up this ladder. Yeah, mm, yeah. Fair enough. Grey, grey. That's what you want. Yeah, man. Dye your hair grey. All right, I'll go next. All right, because I'm be sure you've got fuckload of stuff. No, man, I, I promise I don't. Um, so last uh, week I said that I was heading to Melbourne, 
And that went really well. So I met up with Altmetric and I spoke to the head of product. We're going to investigate using verbalize.science as an enrichment source for their um, papers. Enrichment. So it, so it means that it. on the Altmetric um, site, you could potentially go uh, click on a paper and then underneath it would be here, the verbalized science. Oh. And that would either take them to my site or it would be it would play and embed on theirs. So that's kind of cool. Nice. Big uh, share nice. as well. So look, we all of these things, I've no, things move so slow. I want them to move like, I'm ready to move on that like right now. But mm-hmm. I reckon it's going to be two, three, four, five months before any of this even happens. But it was really nice to meet up with people and for them to be excited. Yeah. That was really good. Good on you, man. Well yeah, done. Thanks. And I stayed with a friend. Uh, this is going to extend my news, which I told you guys not to do. But have you heard of the new hipster thing in Melbourne? Um, no. no. Bald, no. bald, bald head? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Looking youthful below the eyebrows. Um, it is fizzy milk. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. I knew you'd love this. So, fizzy milk. I was with my friend who is probably, uh, I, I think it's fair to call him a Melbourne hipster. And he opened in the morning, he opened his milk and it went. And I was like, mate, your milk's off. <laughs> he was like, he, he laughed at you. He laughed, yeah. And he said, no, 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 this is my, um, it's my, they call it kefir culture. So it's a particular bacteria that forms this little horrible cauliflower grossness thing that sits in the bottom of the milk. It eats the lactose, so the sugar, and produces CO2 Ooh. and some nice vitamins and whatever else in there. Okay. So have you heard of a SCOBY? Mm. A scoby or um, kombucha? Mm. Uh, yeah, I've heard yeah. of kombucha, but kombucha. that's a place near Brisbane. Oh no, yeah, okay, definitely okay. not that. Okay. Anyway, so fizzy milk, it's coming. Mel- the okay. Melbourneites have spoken. It's coming to a shop near you, I am sure. Gibbo, what are you up to, mate? All right, we said it's going to be short news, and here it is. Uh-huh. So, uh, I've started the process of updating my branding. Great. What do yep. you do? Uh, I've got some new photos for websites. Great. I've updated my Orchid Great. and Researcher ID profiles, but that's all still a work in progress. Yeah. So one of the other things I wanted to do was increase my leadership. Yeah. So I am helping Justin Chalker, Chalky, the Chalkster, Citrus Rock. Chalkmeister. Um, helping him organize a new chemistry symposium. Oh, great. Uh, I'm going to be involved in that. Oh, good. Good. And that's going to be on the 1st of March. Well, um, if you need any sort of verbalized science oh, promotion yeah, should, yeah. stuff, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Think I'll mention that. that to the chalkster. Fuck yeah. Um, also, uh, very early stages, but I'm probably going to be in the organizing committee for a microscopy conference in 2020, which is going to be in either Sydney or Melbourne. Great. Ooh. Did you know that verbalized.science has got a new offering for conferences as well? So that would be really interesting. Just let oh, me I know. Didn't yeah. Know that, yeah. Just, uh, Andrew Stapleton. Yeah. No idea. Very yeah. good. Great. Okay. Nice. Now, I went to a buffet or you can eat place. This was for Joyce's uh, oh. birthday dinner. A place called Charlie's. Oh, yeah. You know Charlie's? Where's it's legendary Charlie's? in Adelaide. Corner of Brighton Road. Brighton and Sturt. That's the one. That's the have one. Have you been, Daryl? I have been there before. And what do you think? Yeah, it's all right. I haven't been there for many a year. All right. My first time. And I have I have not been at a buffet or you can eat place for quite a while. And it was is like it, being old Gibbo again. Is it because you've been, you've, been, uh, you've been banned from... Uh, no, <laughs> no, the kids ate for free and I got to eat as much as I want. So those guys will not be wanting to see me again. All Shit. my family. What did I, you? They lost money on me. What did you particularly go after? So uh, they had a whole Chinese food section, which I thought that's where I'm going to sit. That's where I'm going to live. Mm. But I discovered the um, they had like a taco meat, taco shell, spicy meat oh. sort of thing. You didn't and fill up I on the shells that, though, did you? You just <laughs> ladled the meat onto your plate. That's what you want to do. Piles and piles of spicy mince meat on my yeah. plate. <laughs> did you um, get stuck into the dessert bar as well? Oh, uh, look. You know, <laughs> I've been trying to avoid uh, high sugary foods, but yeah. that evening I did not. I did not stop. And they had mud cake covered in syrup, oh. ice cream, <laughs> toppings. I went hog wild. It sounds delicious. They do not want to see me again very soon. And guess what? What? That's it. Give us out. Boom. Everyone. What? We have got feedback from listeners. Feedback from listeners. Feedback from listeners. Feedback from listeners. <laughs> I love it. Um, so we have got so much feedback. Um, so let's have a look. So a while ago, I remember Schmoopy saying, mm-hmm. I wonder if, if you can see the, 
US iTunes ratings. And so I worked out today how to do that. Ah. So I've looked at um, our biggest listener bases. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a review, five stars in the US. Yes. From Mitch RB. Mitch Herb. Hey, Mitch Abby. Mitch hey, Mitch. RB. Hey, Mitch. Says... <laughs> Incredibly entertaining and informative, refreshing to listen to science educators sharing knowledge and passion for the most important discipline that modern society needs. Oh. A must listen to. Wow. There yeah. You go. There you Five go. stars. And then Australian iTunes. <gasps> we have got a... Five-star review. Yes. Oh. So we actually have seven ratings, all five stars. Nice. Well done, boys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Daryl, you. you're a part you're of this part now. Of this now. is, this is now your success. Um, this is from Jess Rose C. The, the title is Best Podcast in the Observable Universe. Oh, wow. And you can observe a lot in the you universe. You can. <laughs> so Jess Rose C. says, love this podcast. Thanks, guys. Best podcast out there would recommend five stars. Great. Thanks, Jess. Yeah. Now we need to also be the best podcast in momentum space. Oh, yeah, that's right. Come absolutely, Smoopy. That's absolutely. where it's at. <laughs> we do live in a multi-dimensional universe, and I would like to be uh, five stars in all dimensions. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we've also got some feedback on Andy Matter. Oh, Andy Matter.net. Andy Matter.net. The forum. The Andy forum. Matter.net. Animal.net. <laughs> Love it. You're picking it up quick, Daryl. You've got no choice. Uh, so this is from regular listener and contributor to the forum, Dave Ergeed. Ah, yes. I like Dave. Dave says, partway listening to the first episode for 2019. <laughs> okay. So he's, he's moved. He's stopped. He's stopped listening to respond. Uh, <laughs> and I thought I'd chip in. I didn't get that. That's brilliant. Yeah. I thought I'd chip in. On your maybe scam Wikipedia thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, your might be a scam is definitely a scam. Okay. Okay. So, um, for listeners and Daryl, uh, do you want to explain what happened? Oh, I got an email from someone who said they would get me a Wikipedia page. All I had to do was pay them $2,500. And then they are an accredited Wikipedia editor or uh, whatever the correct word is, and they would create a page about me on Wikipedia. And Sounds then, good. Sign me up. And then uh, I... Who wants my account details? Apply for a job, and they uh, search me on Google, and they see I've got a Wikipedia page, and they say, hire this man, I imagine. Correct. Sounds like a scam. Forward me the email. So, simple reason it is a scam from Dave. says, you just simply don't need any special permission to create or edit a Wikipedia page. It says right at the top of the homepage, the free encyclopedia anyone can edit. Oh, yeah. It does okay. say that. So the easiest yeah. way to get a wiki page about yourself is to create an, an account, log on and start writing. But some pedantic editor will probably tag your page for instant deletion on the grounds that you aren't famous enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, because some pedantic dickhead does that for all new, page, all new pages, but changes are the editor's. Um, and they'll argue about your relative famousness for years and never get round to deleting the page. So it's like a, a tricky way of getting in there. Yeah. Um, let's have a look. So fill it in, put in your uni field stuff, colleges, luminaries, make it look far more impressive than you actually are, and you'll be good to go. So we are. So I don't need to pay someone $2,500? Nope. I mean, you could pay me $2,500 and I'd do it for you. Would you really? Uh, Give it a go. Quickly. I mean, it wouldn't do it quickly. And it wouldn't be very good, but you could pay me for it. Pass. How many sp- spam emails do you get? Have you do? Oh, 10 a day, I reckon. Yeah. At least. What, conferency ones? Yep. Anything? Or, and they're Sub- the ones submit that- to their new excellent journal. Do you get a few of them? I'm sure you do. I yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Jess Rose C, Mitch RB, and Airgeed for your contribution to the podcast. Didn't you find that last comment from Airgeed, like, I thought it was a bit of a zinger. You thought, oh, you think uh, it will look far more impressive than any of you actually are. Yeah. I'm like, zing, <laughs> pow, <laughs> take that BA, take that schmoopy, because I assume he's not talking about me. Oh, obviously. <laughs> but he, obviously. he got you guys a good one. Then. <laughs> I read that and I laughed my ass off. I thought that was hilarious. Well, well done, done Dave. Dave. Well done. It's time. Oh, topic of the day. Topic of the day. Topic of the day. Topic of the day. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Lovely. Love did it. it. Did it again. Love it. Well done. Um, so the topic for the day is a topic in honour of our guests, our VIP guests. Because you, Daryl, are relatively successful. Thank you. You have got a grant. And true. you've given talks about winning grants and writing for grants. So what tips... So when, when you're sort of like talking to ECRs, what tips do you give them? I often think the first thing you want to ask when considering writing a proposal for a grant yeah. is whether or not it's the right stage of your career to write that grant. Right. Writing a grant takes a lot of effort. And sometimes that effort could be better spent writing papers or doing other activities, which will help you improve your chances of success yeah. later on down the track if you want to apply. So it's kind of about structuring your career, thinking yeah. about when you want to apply for a grant and what you need to do to maximize your chances when you do apply. Hmm. Have you been in a situation where you've been encouraged not to apply for a certain thing? Or have, have, is this is this self-imposed, do you think, mainly? Or do you think the, the institute you work at is good at helping you decide that career path? Um, this is probably my own perspective. Yeah, right. Because often you hear about people writing grants and things like that. Yeah. And you often look at where they're at in their careers and what they're applying for and go how because a lot of these grants rely on things like track record and things like that mm -hmm. and you often go are they better off investing that time in writing up some of their research results mm -hmm. so that when they do apply they've got a better chance because mm -hmm. the success rates of these um app grant schemes are typically quite low 20 mm. percent, and mm. so you've really got to be up the top if you want to be competitive yeah and so it's about framing yourself in the most appropriate way yeah and ticking all those boxes so that you maximize your chances mm. so there's there's a few australian grants that you can only apply for like two or three times right decra what about future fellowships yep future fellowships Same, are three times i think three yeah. times right so do you think though that there's an argument along the lines of that you learn more from the failure? Um, there is a case for that. It, well, I would say that it's almost, it's one of those things where you learn a lot by going through the process. Mm. And, you know, you can then sort of learn from that process and then improve your applications in the future. Mm. But it also depends a lot on how the, the funding scheme changes from year to year. So right. it's, making sure that you're in a position to do it when the schemes suit the application that you want to put in as well. Yeah, yeah. So we have the seven, I think, research priorities in Australia. Mm -hmm. And when you put in a grant to the Australian Research Council, you do tick a box to say whether or not um, you, this research aligns with one of these research priorities. So that could be soil and water, energy, yep. Okay. Um, there are broader than just these hot topics like space. Sure, sure. Um, but you can say, I actually don't align with any of those seven research Whoa. priorities. Do you feel like you have to be a bit of a maverick to take that one? Well, I think that that's the thought is you are a maverick if you do that. But the stats say that the success rate of people who tick that box is higher than the people who actually do align with a whoa do who do say they align with a research priority right. but are the people who are ticking that box doing research which they are clearly world leaders or something like that in some space and so therefore they're not needing to tick that box and so they're satisfying other criteria in a more efficient way so, yeah. so you mean they're self-selecting by not ticking that box that they they know they're in a strong position anyway so they don't they don't feel like they need to fit yeah so if, if you have an area of research and you try and force it into or try and force an application in one of those areas that's probably negative 
So you're it, forcing a square peg into a round hole. And, it's not and it work. comes across as awkward yeah. when you read it. So <laughs> better, better not to try to do that. Yeah. It's interesting. I think it's it, good it, advice. Well, it just depends on how much of a stretch it is. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of times the reviewing panels can be quite diverse as well. Mm-hmm. And so you need to actually have your grant appeal to the people who are reviewing it. Ooh. And so if you say, oh, my grant fits in this space and you've got someone else working in that space, but from a very different approach, they might not see the value in what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's important to get a, probably a mentor on, on how you go about doing these grant applications. Who was your mentor? So I work a lot with Michael Brunger. Yeah. So, and he's been quite successful yeah. in writing grant applications. And he's also been on the ARC College of Experts. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. he's got that experience in reviewing applications and also writing successful applications. Yeah. So that he knows what's going to be... Um, in the ballpark, I suppose, and mm. where where the benchmarks are for, particularly because he works in my area as well, mm. it's good that he'll know what topics are relevant and whether or not the application has a chance, I suppose, and can provide good feedback. Yeah. yeah. So in your area, Daryl, would you tick the box? Would you tick one of those research priority boxes? Uh, I often tick the box. And which, which one would you tick for your area of research? Um. Well, it all depends on what the proposal's about. Yeah. So I've ticked lots of different boxes depending on... Because I've written probably four or five different applications and they've all been on quite different topics. Okay. And so sometimes it's about reinvigorating industry. And okay. so you go, all right, we can improve techniques or and things like that. Mm-hmm. And other times it'll be trying to remove, be better for the environment. So you go, all right, we can you know, improve, re- like remove hazardous chemicals and then replace yep. them with better chemicals and things like that. Mm. So there and there's some of the sh- strategies which we've used and stuff like that. With someone who's been on the College of Experts, do you think that their biggest advantage is that they've seen lots of applications so they know what's a good one or is it that they're on the College of Experts so lots of people know their name? Do you think one of those is more important than the other? I think the fact that they see the applications is probably good because their their name isn't like it's not on your application. So you're removed from that. So their being on the College of Experts may help them, mm-hmm. but it won't necessarily help you. Yeah. It's probably good for you to have their feedback because they've seen lots of applications and they know where the reasons why applications get funded. So a lot of the times it's not necessarily about the the science as such. It's also about the other factors. So it's like leadership and sort of... Oh, you've got to do all the wanky stuff too. Yeah, and so it's about whether or not they view you as the, the leader of the research you're doing or are you hanging on to somebody else's research. And so getting that sort of feedback on your how you've written your application... Mm. about how you can better present and make your case for why your research should be funded is often valuable feedback. You're quite close still with your re- your supervisor in um, Tokyo, Japan. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, what about me? I'm a mentor. Oh, I'm a and mentor uh, everyone. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the, the P-Pop's most <laughs> relevant <you>. mentor <laughs> of the lifetime. <laughs> Christopher Gibson. Daryl and I have worked together quite closely. Do you consider some, uh, some Chris projects. a mentor? Um, <laughs> that's putting him on the spot. Let's, let's not embarrass uh, yeah, the guy. Not, yeah, we don't let, let, you can let that one go, oh, Daryl. Right. We all know the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, of course. Just, all right, wink if he... No, he hasn't winked. Okay, great. <laughs> um, I also recommend that people get non-experts to read their proposal how non-expert so i often get my dad to read my proposal what hang on your dad's a teacher so my dad was a high school teacher yeah science science yep so he's got a a background in i think he was biology i suppose yeah so someone that has got a science at least a, a working knowledge of the scientific method i guess is yep is appropriate and then they 
what what are you asking him for? Are you asking him for can you understand everything, or are you are you what are you asking him? So there's key things which you need to get across. Yeah. So you have to write a summary of the proposal. Yeah. And that has to be accessible to anybody. So yeah. that's publicly available when it's funded. And so it has to be understandable for non-experts. Mm. And the other thing is that these college of experts are made up of a, a diverse range. Yeah. So you may not get someone who's familiar with your niche area of science. Yeah. And so you need to make your proposal sound appealing to someone who doesn't know the background of your research area. So, no so one thing I, I, I've tried to do is I've got successful grants off people and uh, your supervisor, uh, your former supervisor Cameron was one of those who sent me their their discovery grant that was successful. Yeah. What struck me about it was it was not, I think, the way people used to write them, which was you cram text as much mm. in. It was really spaced out, a lot of figures and not that many references. I was, I was struck by how it was quite easy to read. So you're selling the sizzle, not the sausage. Well, I guess so, but there was enough detail there. There was enough complex diagrams and figures that there was actually some science in there, but it yeah. was very spaced out. I was like, that's not the way we wrote our first two. Mm. Ours was keep the margins Thanks. as small as possible, keep the text as small as possible, yeah. cram as much information in there as you can. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with that. I was very struck by that, yeah. No, because it's one of those things where it's true that they're reading lots of proposals mm. and they're probably doing it late at night going, oh, I've got to read mm. 10 pro proposals tonight. And so basically it's one of those things where they go, do it. And it's you have to encourage them to read on. Mm -hmm. So what you don't want is them to go, I'm bored of this proposal because as soon as it's a case of they can go, I'm not going to fund it, then they'll just go, it's gone. And so it's kind of you have to make them want to keep reading. Making sure that you address the selection criteria too is the other thing, right? Because you don't want someone to just come along and go, oh, they didn't do this, so I'm just going to scrap just, it. So you don't want to give them any excuse just to say they no. Didn't, they didn't talk about data management, they're gone. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> you hope that the universities are pretty onto that. So sure. The other key thing is you want to actually let people know that you're going to apply in advance so that you yeah. can... Get on the systems beforehand. Go to their training. Go to their trainings. Um, just making sure that you, like a lot of these things require commitments from the universities to provide funds, resources, mm. and you need to have those conversations with the heads of departments or research leaders and things like that so yeah. that you can get those resources to enable you to do the project that you want to do. Yeah. And it takes time. And a lot of the reason why writing grants is so arduous is because you've got to chase the people up. Oh, can I get this form signed? Mm -hmm. There's all these additional things in addition to just writing the proposal. Yeah. Other questions? Other questions. All right. Daryl, you are a tall person. Are there advantages or disadvantages of being a tall scientist? <laughs> oh, that's out of left field. Oh. It's a curly one. <laughs> It's I'm a, I'm a bit surprised by the question because I don't actually consider myself to be tall. You're, you're like you six foot tall. though, are you? Six foot something? I'm about six two. Yeah. If you're tall, Daryl, then I'm tiny. Yeah, you are if tiny. If you're not tall, then yeah. I'm tiny. So Andy and I are a regular height. Yeah. Uh, and then Chris obviously makes up <laughs> with, with his height for the fact that he talks about that he used to be strong. Yeah. Five foot eight <laughs> and a half I am. Well, five foot eight actually in the evening because I shrink a little bit. Oh, uh, like an so, old person or yeah. the fluid leaves your joints. That's me. There used to be advantages because I can often reach the top shelf so I can put things there and, and access them. Yeah. But occupational health and safety means that I'm no longer allowed to store things on those sorts of high shelves because... You can't even put things on a high shelf, even if you can reach it. Oh, it's, you gotta be, you got to follow the policies. Oh, wow. I want to step ladder all the time at my current place of work. Get off it, mate. It's dangerous. My main question is, you you went from atomic physics to nano. Well, you're still doing atomic physics, but you have dabbled your toes heavily in the lake of nano technology. I was, in, I was inspired by the work of one Christopher T. Gibson. Yes. Whoa. Mentorship. <laughs> mentorship, yeah. Inspiration and mentorship. Now, 
how, how do you how did you find how do you find the comparison? What are the differences between working in both those areas of science? What are the the main differences you find? Good and bad doesn't matter, you know. So I think atomic and molecular physics is a very statistical, um, data driven area. It can take quite a long time to accumulate the data. Can't it, it does. Yeah, yeah. And so it's very. You know, we measure things and the measurements are quite uh, quantitative in what we obtain. Whereas I often find in the nano, it's often about trying to get a reference. And mm -hmm. so basically you're comparing what you measure to something else. So it's kind of like, you know, you do a control. Whereas in the atomic and molecular physics, you know, we establish that our technique works and then we go ahead and measure something. Yeah. Whereas... You know, so the control is once we've worked out that our experiment is working properly, then we're actually measuring something. Yeah. And so it's very different in terms of, you know, analyzing your data because, you know, you don't have to do a control and see how you differ from the control and, and things like that. Yeah, I, I, I think Nano does have that criticism sometimes. And especially because you have to use Cowboys. techniques as well. Yeah, and that you tend to be, you know, often it's like, well, we believe that this is this thing because our spectral or our image looks like that and these guys have published a paper saying that it must be that, you know. Mm. There's lots of that sort of stuff going on. And if you retrace some of the work back, it does sometimes seem a little bit flimsy. Well, do you know, so in Melbourne... Uh, we were talking about, about the future of um, scholarly publishing and how, in fact, you should be able to revise a paper based on new data. So what you have is a series of assertions that are made and tracked, I don't know, blockchain or something like that, some technology. But then you can go on uh, afterwards and say, actually, this is our new data set. Mm -hmm. And it actually sort of, you know, conclusions in this paper are softened somewhat. And then what it does is it shifts this entire landscape and that kind of cascades up through the references. So it may be like, I don't know, 10 years ago, then all of a sudden so they, they reproduce it or they find something. Yep. And then, uh, the it, yeah, it just shifts everything and, and softens the the conclusions of the papers that Absolutely, because cite it. At the moment, you know, when you publish a paper, if you were to turn around and say, oh, look, uh, we've done some more experiments, we want to change some of the data we've presented and some of our conclusions, it, it's like it's cast in stone. Mm. You can't do anything. You can do a, an arandum or a corrigendum or whatever the hell they call a them. Corrigendum. <laughs> there are some, you know, it, it seems like it's just written in stone and there's no, yeah, there's no yeah. flexibility there and that's something that's really missing. Yeah. And also they were saying publishing negative data sets mm. is a massive thing, like just being able to attach that data, not really just, and just say that didn't work and move on, but at least having that as part of the... Well, it could help other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, that, that's all I was going to ask, Daryl, because we've covered quite a lot of good territory there. Our next section is Science This, where we use our transferable science skills to science the shit out of an everyday activity. And this week, the activity is concentrating. Could you say that middle bit again? I wasn't listening. Concentrating. I see what you did there. Yeah. Such Thank a you. bad joke. Thank you. Concentrating. That'll so, do. I'll go. So, concentrating. I found that there was this thing. It was, a, I found a paper. All right. Find a paper. It wasn't, it's not the one that this is printed on, so you, don't look at that. You print things strangely these days. I'm double printing. This is from last week. I'm saving the world, mate. I'm using this, the empty backsides. Yeah, good on you. Thank you. So. <laughs> I'll use your empty backside. <laughs> Oi, did it. Oh, my influence. My influence is slowly wearing off on him. I love it. Ooh, zing, pow. How's it going? All right. So this paper, Perceptual Load. Ooh. as a necessary condition for selective attention. What does that mean? Exactly. So this is from the Journal of Experimental Psychology, um, Human Perception and Performance. And it was um, a paper which has been discussed heavily since because it was published in 1995. It's ages ago. Ages ago. I was like seven. I don't know. Uh, I could do the math. I was 10. So... <laughs> The question, the question is, actually it was June, I was nine. 
You're only nine. I was, nine. I was 24. Well, you were busy being a child. I was, <laughs> I was busy being I was a man. busy being a man. I was being a man. <laughs> such a man. And you continue to be such a great man. Thank you. When someone says to you, you should concentrate, what uh, do you do? What do you do instantly? Fall asleep. No. You do, maybe. Um, uh, look at them hard. Have a cup of coffee. What you do is you go, right, I need to turn off all of the distractions, right? You okay. say, like, I need to sit, go to the library. I need to sit in a quiet space. Yep. I need to turn my phone off. I don't do any of those things. Well, you're no. telling me what I do? You're telling me what to think? What's going yeah, on Yeah, I'm telling you. That, yeah, that's right. I'm telling you this is how you should think as oh. an average person. Okay. Do you, okay. so if you, do you lock the door, Daryl, or do you do? Yep. Shut yourself away? Yep. Do you listen to music? I often listen to music. Oh, good. Try and block everyone else out. Daryl, what yep. music do you listen to when you're trying to concentrate? Concentrate. Concentrate. Mm, anything really oh for a second there i thought you were gonna say enya because i was thinking en- enya <laughs> and then you said anything i was like oh my oh, god so it does close. listen to enya so unfortunately enya is not in my playlist sail away sail away sail away <laughs> that was exactly it. um so so people tend to think that to concentrate you have to get rid of all these external external distractions but this one paper says the opposite oh uh-huh. It says distract away. It says that there's this thing called load theory from from the paper where there's the the brain has a limit to how much information it can process at any one time. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that what you do is you fill up this so let's say there's five slots of attention that your brain can kind of focus on. Mm-hmm. Let's say you fill four of them with like stuff that doesn't really matter, but at least your brain can focus on. So it may be music. It may be some, um, I don't know, someone walking in the background. Maybe you go to a cafe. Yeah. But you just... Something just outside your, just your out, peripheral vision. That's right. So telly? just outside. Telly? You could maybe have telly on in the background. So your brain's just listening to that, but it's not distracting you. It's not becoming the, the, the thing you're concentrating on oh, the yeah. most. Yeah. So what you've got to do is get these four other things just slightly sort of... Yeah, but this number this five number you just That's, made that I've up. I made that up. Yeah. yeah. So that you just a certain number yep. of things. But then you save the one space for the thing that you should concentrate on. All right? So you fill up your um your perception with the uh, until you reach that one thing and you go okay, I've got one space left. That's going to be the thing that I focus all my attention on. All right? So, dirty desk. Yep. That's a good thing apparently according to this load theory. Yeah, that's why I work so well. There's um apps Om writer and focus at will. And what they do is they add visual uh, or musical distractions to order. Um, but the problem is none of these have actually been tested to see if they make you concentrate anymore. There's no science on them. They're just uh, charlatans so at the moment. So just gimmicks, yeah. Just gimmicks, Ooh. yeah, like brain training. Um, but I feel like this, this is something, right? This is something that we could work with. Mm-hmm. So for my science this, I feel like I want to take this 1995 paper and I want to sit Gibbo. In a room. And I'm going to give him... So let's, let's, let's go with... I mean, what we've got to do is find out how many slots are in your brain for concentration. All right? Mm, two. So what I'm going to do is, you know, like mm, a... Um, you know, like a one-man band where there's like... He's got like jingles on his arms and like a yeah. boomy thing. on a big drum on my back. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's me. I'm in the same room as you. you are, you're tasked with writing a paper... And I've got oh. all these different distractions attached to my body. So I've got something that projects onto the wall, like pictures of me nude, Ooh. like running around, like bending over a lot, Ugh. like playing volleyball. Um, <laughs> Why <are you> playing volleyball? <laughs> yeah. The only way you would ever play a sport would be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to distract Chris, <laughs> but be nude. What a horrible thought. And so what we'll do is we'll sit you in and then I'll just slowly increase each one, put, uh, fill up each one of your slots. So first of all, you'll be writing and I'll be like, just like, bing, bing, bing on my, on my bum cheeks. There'll be two little like dingy bell things. He'll be like, yep. ding, 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 ding. So ding, how ding, do you ding, know ding. that he's not focusing? Well, we got to go past the focus, right? So we go, ding, 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 ding. And he's still writing and he's like, yeah, easy. Then yep. smell, I'm getting the other smell involved. So I'm just like, just like 
sweating up a storm, right? I've not, I've got to slowly lift my armpits and waft it towards you, right? Mm. And you go, no, it's still working. It's not, not distracting me. No, it's we distracting keep it me already. I'm if distracted now. If he's I don't like not yet filled up his slots, yeah, then he's he going to be working. Be looking at you though. He well, slots are full because he's got a like. If he doesn't have a, if he's got a slot available, yeah. I think he would look up. If oh, he starts I see doing what you're saying. New, not yeah, with yeah. The bells when he stops looking up, that is. So slots how about this? I go first of all full bore. <laughs> Yep. Like no building up. I'm going the other way. So I'm so he walks into the room. I'm completely naked. Ugh. I've got bells on my bum. I'm stinking up a storm. I'm shouting. <laughs> yeah, like this. Yeah. And I'm like, Gibbo, sit down and try to write something. Uh-huh. Right. And so he'll be like, I can't concentrate so much. It's so much. And then I'll slowly remove the distraction. So I'm like, <laughs> and then he's just left with the stink and the projection. Mm-hmm. And or maybe I'm bouncing a ball, whatever it is. And we'll remove them until he goes, Andy, this is the zone. <laughs> I'm in the zone. There's, I've got all of my slots filled. <laughs> and the, you're being slightly annoying. But the, main, the biggest slot, the slot I'm concentrating on most is this grant. And I'm doing it. And you're going to say to me, Andy, here's $1,000. Do this all day for a week. And I will concentrate on this graph, on this graph, on this grant. Like there's no tomorrow. And so you're doing the minimum amount that doesn't distract me. Yeah. But keeps me focused. Exactly. Yeah. That. So there we are. So how <laughs> am I, how am I uh, sciencing concentrating? Well, from 1995, I'm filling up slots, mm. but one. Yeah. And yeah. labeling you to concentrate more. Let me say you're what I, I usually say at the end of our science. This What's is this? You have brought what you usually bring to Which science. Which is quality. This. Which is the same standard as you usually bring. I will make no judgment. Quality, on that quality stuff. Always. I've got a paper. You gave a lot of thought. You gave a lot of thought. No, a paper. Google a paper. Heavy D, <laughs> how would you science concentrate on? <laughs> so I, I think it's about removing the stimuli. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. Sorry, 1995. You're, you're a one slot type of person, <laughs> are you? Yeah. So I think you want to sort of create a. A no uh, stimuli capsule. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Like a um, what's it called? Like it? a soundproof room or isolation like, chamber. Yeah. Yeah. And a then, no room. And then just to make sure that there's no external stimuli, I'd yeah. be sending it off into space in the, in, into the vacuum of space, Ooh. so that not even radio waves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that we're getting out into the far reaches, so that all you can focus on is the task at hand. <laughs> Shit. So literally, you're so bored. That you have to do it in front of you because otherwise you'd go crazy with the boredom. Yep. Is it dark? Yep. Is there food? No. No. <laughs> Is there... there has to be motivation too. So yeah. it's kind of like... Oh, there you go. I like that. Incentive. I, incentive. Am I aware that there's a possibility of return? I think when, when the task is done... Okay. You could so be it's kind of like... Oh. It's like a self-imposed deadline because academics work best with a deadline in mind uh-huh. I believe that. and so it's kind of like if you want food if you want to go to the bathroom or whatever oh yeah. shit you get your job done otherwise there's no coming back I, I feel like uh, SpaceX would be like reusable rockets like academics could use it because they could be like I really need to get this done because mm-hmm. you know how academics <laughs> say there's been another space shuttle launch today <laughs> who's on board an academic writing a grant <laughs> again <laughs> He spent $10 million to try and earn $300,000. <laughs> but I've heard oh, all the time from academics when they fly internationally, they're like, oh, airline travel, got brilliant. I've got so, so much, much I've so much done. And they're like, I don't want Wi-Fi on flights because I'll just be on Facebook again. Oh, eternal flight. Yeah. So this eternal is- Eternal flight. This is eternal flight. The eternal flight. You just put them on the plane and fly just them around. Just fly them around, and that, yeah. That's they, but that's what essentially what Daryl yeah. has done. So I feel like there's a market. Mm. There's a market for this. We'd have to get the the price down, but <laughs> do you feel like you would want to be shot into the depths of space? Do you think? Do you think it would work? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, in the interest of entertainment, absolutely. Yeah, good one. Like would, have like you it. ever de- like? I would deny myself like Facebook. Not that I go on Facebook or work, but yeah. deny myself things until I do some. Do some work. Have right? you got a good enough self control though? 
I do. Oh, well done. But Daryl, have you ever denied yourself going to the bathroom? You, that was one of the things you said just now. <laughs> have you ever said, I can't go and pee until I write this paragraph? I've gone, I can't go and pee until I get home. And when I'm like in the car or something like that, and then it's just kind of like, oh, stuck in traffic and you're just like, nah, can't go. So there's, there is that sort of- So you have that will, you know, you can call upon the depths of will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Medical practitioners do it quite frequently in surgery or whatever. Yeah. Sort of- Shit uh, themselves. No, no. Hold on. Hold, hold on. It. Hold on until the until case the task is finished. Is complete. Until the task is complete. Yeah, because some operations go for like- Three days, don't they? Oh, 24 hours or something. I feel, yeah. like, they would, I feel like they would have a, a pee break if you had a 24-hour operation. Because they're not doing something all the time. Mm, You're the know. person pumping the heart. You just slide someone else's hand in underneath. Oh, underneath imagine that. Squeezing. What a ghost moment. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be great. Better than the, great <laughs> the than clay. Ghost. Yeah, the movie ghost. <laughs> oh, very good. A ghost surgery moment. Shmoopy. All right. You guys have done all right. I like uh, lots of distractions and I like little distractions. Yeah. I think you kind of need a, a balance of the of them both. All right. Something that I try to do is uh, read emails less, but it's pretty hard sometimes when I'm expecting someone to write to me mm. to only check emails not very regularly. But concentrating. In chemistry, concentration is the abundance of a constituent divided by the total volume of a mixture. Oh, he's coming he's at it from a different science. point of view. <laughs> he's gone science. I love it. I love it. So we're looking at high mass in a small volume. Yeah. Density. The synthesis of a black hole. Wow. Here we go. This is what he's doing. This is how you concentrate things. This is a genius. Is oh. you have a black hole. You can't get more concentrated than that. So there's two ways to make a black hole. There's gravitational collapse, mm. which occurs uh, at the death of a large star. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's high energy collisions, um, which is uh, possible in, say, a large hadron collider type thing, although they haven't made black holes as far as we know. No, but they that was what people were worried about, right? That yeah. they would make a black hole and that'd be the end of the... But you wouldn't know about it. It would just it would instantly disappear into it. Something like that. I, yeah. I'm, I wouldn't say it as confidently as what you just said. I'm confident. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> but it didn't happen, did it? We're all, we're all still here. We're all still here. Yeah. Yeah. Unless we're on the inside of a black hole. This is shit if we are. This is just like the other side. <laughs> but there is a limit. I can't concentrate everything with a black hole. Huh? There isn't a maximum size a black hole could be, but there is a minimum size that a black hole can be. Oh. Whoa. And so that actually is 22 micrograms. Oh, that is absolutely tiny. What? I the thought you were going to say hole. I thought you were going to say like 4 million tons or something like that. <laughs> you, so you can make a black hole with that little amount of mass. Yes. Wow. How much is that? Um, I think it's equivalent to a hair on Andy's head. Fuck off. <laughs> Look, talking about a hair on Andy's head. One of the really short ones. Look, I've got a... The really short Have you noticed ones. I'm growing a fringe? The really short ones. <laughs> a fringe. I can't see anything. There's one hair that's really out of the way of that one. You know what's amazing, about your, hair, what's amazing about your hairline? Is what? It is just scalp and then there's hair, but I can't see the... The joint. The division. Yeah. It's so gradual. Yeah. So gradual. It's a mystery. It's a, it's a mystery of science. But it's incredible. People, not only do I confuse people with my uh, gradient of my head, but sometimes they stop in awe. Yeah. I stop people in the streets and they go, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure that's the case. But anyway. So I, I think that I, I measure things in milligrams all the time. And so one milligram is almost the smallest thing I can pick up on the end of a um, pair of tweezers. Yep. Yep. So let's say... A thousand times smaller than a grain of rice. Hmm. It will right. be, I think, right. approximately the mass of an AFM cantilever. That is not very helpful for the majority <laughs> of the population. <laughs> and so this, this value, 22 micrograms, is the Planck mass. Oh. And it's because there's a series of universal constants which only work out in the mathematics if the mass is, is that value or greater. So 22 mm. micrograms. Great. So there we go. So as long as uh, something's over 22 micrograms, I can concentrate it by turning it into a black hole. 
if it's less than that amount, I'm sorry, you'll have to go elsewhere. I, I can't help you. Well, how are you? So how do you? How are you compressing that mass into? So to get that mass to become a black hole, you have to basically give it no volume. Is that how you? How do you? How do you make something that smaller mass into a black hole? Uh, high energy collisions. High energy collisions. Sorry, you said yeah, that. Yeah, he yes. said I, I drawn collide, didn't he? Sorry, you so did. You I'm, I apologize. I apologize. Force the force elements or at- atoms or quarks um, <sighs> closer together than what they Hang could on, we got a real physicist with us. sound possible? Yeah, I would have thought. I would have thought Gibbo was on the right track of getting the, the infinitely small down. yeah volume down. There you mm-hmm. go. That'd be through the collision, right? Where they yes start. Sort of becoming one particle, I suppose, um, and just overlapping. Does this sort of stuff float your physics boat? Like this is all like atoms and collisions and movement through space. This is your bag, isn't it? Well, I'm more of an atomic and molecular physicist, so okay. I deal a lot more with spectroscopy and sort of chemistry side of things. Yeah, not yeah. really so, particle physics. And mm, so, that, so that's that's like smaller than what you deal with. Yeah, so that's like field. what's happening inside nuclear nuclear subatomic. subatomic subatomic we like to call it. Yeah, in the game. Yeah, I am. What I love about our science, this is lately, and I keep saying this, is we all attack it from different angles. From different, angles. different angles. And Schmoopy, you you've come at it from the, a very different angle. Uh, more would it be a more an acute angle, a grazing incidence, or has he come at it from a very obtuse angle? Do you think he's come up from its backside? Oh. From from where it didn't expect. Okay. He's in a different plane. I've come at it from plane. the right angle. From a, a right angle, yep, to produce the most energy when you impact the idea. Okay. I've I've been quite conventional. I'm using the normal concentration. Hang on, can can I veto something? Oh my god. You're not allowed to say use drugs. Um oh I can just cut that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> so uh we're going to look at a number of different techniques to increase concentration okay. and we're going to test them. Yeah. So we're going to have a control group that's going to do nothing. Yep. They're just going to... Hang out. Hang out. Sleep however they want to sleep. Take what they want to take. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to have a group. They're going to get the required amount of sleep and nothing else. They're just going to make so sure like they sleep eight, eight hours. hours. Yep. Um, we're going to use drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so nootropic drugs uh, or smart drugs, and that could be caffeine or Adderall or Ritalin, but they are they have to be medically prescribed dosages and they would have to be done uh, as a clinical practice or using clinical practical guidelines set down by the Australian government. So this would are have there, to be done under controlled conditions. Yeah. Um, you going to so, give people a placebo as well? Very good. We would need within this group a placebo group as well. Very good, Dave. Well done. Very good. So when people are studying, they love their like ADHD drugs because it helps that's, them concentrate. That's the thing we hear about these days. Yeah. Does anyone know of any scientists that swear by certain drugs to get like the leg up? The only thing I know people take uh, is caffeine. Caffeine, yeah. Is that the only scientific drug? Daryl? I've heard of people taking beta blockers. Oh, for, just for anxiety. Uh, for, well, for, for exams as well oh, to, to yeah. calm themselves and yeah. things like that. What's, yeah. a be- what's a beta blocker? I've never heard of that before. It's like an anti-anxiety medication. Oh, very good. Okay. I haven't heard no first-hand evidence of anything. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I feel like this is our time. I think there's still just too many side effects that it's, nothing's actually worthwhile Success. in the long run. Success is a good side effect. Forget about the other <laughs> stuff. Well, that's why, that's, I mean, I th- still think if you were going to do this sort of testing, you would have to do it under controlled conditions because yeah. people could get hurt. Yeah. People could get hurt. Anyway. Now, the other thing I think we should test to um, test concentration would be meditation and mindfulness. Mm. That is something that a lot of people say can help with concentration. Mm-hmm. Let's put it to the test. Absolutely. Let's put it to the test. And then we're going to have a group that's going to do all these things. <laughs> All of them. They're, they're going to take they're drugs. They're going to do nothing. They're going to sleep for eight hours. They're going to take drugs in controlled situations. How, how are they going to do nothing? Uh, obviously, they can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to do meditation. And then we're going to see what happens. Now, all great. I'm testing all these variables. But how am I testing them? How, though? How, how? am I testing them? That's how? the important thing. That is the important What's thing. What's the task? It's something about you. No, no, no. Well, I guess it could be connected. What is the task... To test concentration now. Watching cricket, we. Oh, that's boring. That's not, Already that's, dead. That's the not bad, Schmoopy. Good concentration tester. Uh, it's so, so, uh, if you could keep him concentrating on it, 
mm. then you would have you'd have you'd have cracked concentration. Exactly. Problem is he hates it. Um, we are an academic focused, academic science focused podcast. Yes. yes. So let's get people doing an academic task that requires concentration, but is something that academics tend to always put off and don't find that enjoyable. What would that be? Filling out forms. We hate that too, but this is more of a, a writing exercise. Just just writing a paper. Yes, but what do we find even more detestable writing than that? Writing a thesis. No, he's trying to get to writing for grants, aren't you? Uh, grants a good one too, I think. Oh, but I was oh thinking no, that more, one. The one thing I know that people put off a lot, uh, book chapters and reviews. Uh, <laughs> there you all go. Right. Uh, Daryl, have you got book book chapters? I don't write book chapters. What? Okay. All right, perfect. It's a perfect. <laughs> that case. is the test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The test. So, you what are we involved do? in? So, one? <laughs> no. This is the task that our subjects are going to have to do. They're going to have to write a book chapter or a review, and it's going to have to be about ten thousand words, which I think comes out at probably about twenty pages. Twenty mm. twenty pages. Um, now, uh, there has to be a minimum standard, so the. Chapter will have to be reviewed. Yep. It'll have to be considered acceptable by a team of reviewers, say three or four people. Uh, there'll have to be a plagiarism check, I suppose, to make sure people aren't just cutting and pasting. Mm-hmm. What percentage of plagiarism would we be willing to accept? Uh, what do they say on Turner in? It's like 70, 70, pl- no, se- uh, 70 plus in terms of original. Is that what it is? Oh, so if it was 30% plagiarism, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Anything more than that, you're in trouble. Yeah. I was going to say 10%. Let's, let's uh, do it. Yeah, okay. Um, 10%. Now, if the uh, manuscript fails any of this criteria, it's not counted. Okay? Yep. And so, so long as the manuscripts are acceptable and there's not too much plagiarism, uh, you're tested by the number that are completed and the speed at which they were done, and that's the main scoring criteria. And that's how we're going to test concentration. Great. Ba-boom. Ba-boom. Music is provided by the awesome Adelaide-based band Voice Rom. Check out their stuff on the Bandcamp website. Also, remember to subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app. Like our Facebook page. Join in the forum. Animate on it. And leave us a review on wherever you get this podcast. Cameron, sponsor of the week. You were just listening to Published Perishable Podcast and I was talking to you this week by our future sponsor... SBS On Demand, the place where people in Australia can watch The Orville. Yes. <laughs> Chris and Cameron are both enjoying watching The Orville. I love Not it. sponsored I love it. by The Orville, whatever <laughs> yes. it's called. Thank uh, you. Excellent. Final farewells. Goodbye from Gibbo. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.